So we're going to finish up our, 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 the final week series. Um, we, are, we are in the final week of the series entitled The Final Week. Um, and we've been going through the final week of Jesus' life. We've, we've started basically on, on, on the triumphant entry into Jerusalem and everything that went through. Obviously, last week with being Easter, we talked about the resurrection and all those things. And, and typically, yes, you know, it's like, okay, now the week is over. Now we can move on to something else. But there was one other thing that I thought was important that we cover as we kind of look at this week. And, and so we're going to kind of take a little bit of a, uh, kind of a go back in time, even a little bit different than we have been doing. We have been kind of going specifically through certain days. And so if you've been here or watched online or heard the things, we, you know, we go, okay, here's Monday. And then we looked at Tuesday and so on and so forth. And we're actually going to kind of do things a little bit different this morning. Um, we're going to kind of, instead of looking at a specific day, we're really going to look at a specific person and really kind of talk about him. And, and here's the thing. I really want us to go on a journey this morning. I really want us to kind of um, go on, on and kind of take a story approach to kind of this thing. We're going to be jumping around a little bit as far as being in different gospels and things, but I kind of want to give us a holistic kind of view of, of this last story that I think kind of puts a bow on the last week of Jesus. Next week, we're going to be starting a brand new series. It's entitled Sent. It's going to flow just, just directly in from this idea and this concept into the new series. Basically, for several weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. And so we're just going to take the final week of Jesus and fast forward a little bit and start looking at the church and, and what God called it to be, what it needs to be, what we need to be in it, and all those things. I'm really excited about really looking at that with you. So that starts next week, but this week we're going to look at the final kind of week of, of this series. And again, the tagline kind of for this whole series that we always need to remember is this is literally the most important week of the most important person who ever lived. I mean, here's the thing, guys. You are going to have to deal with Jesus. At some point in our lives, every single one of us are going to have to come to this clue or this moment where we say, I got to deal with this man from Nazareth. I got to deal with this person who we celebrate his birth in Bethlehem. I mean, you think about it. Jesus, this, this, this poor, insignificant, quote-unquote, place, this poor, insignificant son of a carpenter and a young 15 or so year old girl, and all of a sudden he, he becomes someone who literally has changed the world. I mean, there's not a lot of people in, in, in our history books that you can say had the impact and the influence of this man, Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to deal with him. You're going to have to figure out if he really is who he says he is or he's a maniac. There really isn't, we talked about that earlier, there really isn't a, a, a different thing. There really isn't something that you can kind of come to that place in the middle. It's either one or the other. And it's, it's important that we understand that. So as we've looked at this last couple of over this last couple of weeks, looking at this last week, I hope that it's brought you to that place where maybe, maybe you've known him for a long time and, and you've learned something different. Maybe it's for the first time in your life. You've said, man, I got to figure out who this guy really is. But whatever it is, wherever you're at on the journey, 
Jesus is welcoming you to a deeper place with him. He's welcoming you to something greater than you ever dreamed possible. And in some ways, as we conclude this series, we're going to kind of be talking about one of the things that sometimes keeps us from really experiencing that to the way God wants us to. So before we really jump in, even though we've been talking for already a while, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, obviously, I just, every week, but I just need you to help me. So Father, speak through me. Let your words exit my mouth and don't let a single word that's not of you exit it. I need you and I, I, I just ask that you would help me and help us to hear your word and then apply it to our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So and this is going to be kind of, it will be in your notes a little bit, but really what we're doing, and we kind of been going through every day, but to today we're going back to Thursday night. We, we kind of already talked about Thursday. We haven't talked about this in particular, but to kind of look at this, we're going back to Thursday night because the individual that I really want us to focus in on is Simon Peter. So we're going to start with Luke 22. Luke 22, starting with verse number 31, this is what it says, okay? This is basically at the time of the Last Supper, okay? So we're going to give you the timeline. Jesus has not yet been arrested. He hasn't been tried. So this is at the Last Supper, at the Passover meal, and Jesus is speaking to Peter, and he, he really speaks in this passionate way. Again, I wanted you to as we kind of look at this, this is this, I want you to get the story of this. I want you to, to feel like you're kind of in the middle of it. You're kind of, you've kind of been taken in and you're kind of watching this all take place and unfold in front of you. So Jesus is looking and here's the thing, and, and I'm going to try to kind of break some of this scripture down so that we really see exactly what, what's really happening here. We times we'll read scripture and it, it becomes somewhat of, of, of a dry one-dimensional dialogue or one-dimensional thing. I want to bring out some 3D here, okay, if that makes sense so we really see what's happening jesus is speaking to peter and he calls him by his old name okay he calls him simon we call him simon peter because his name was simon before god changed or jesus changed his name to peter and so he's looking and anytime in scripture where you see someone's name being expressed once or, or excuse me twice or more it's it's there to emphasize a passionate response it's there to say basically it's not hey peter okay it's not hey simon it's not that type of greeting. It's something much more passionate and much more intense. So Jesus looks at him and he says, Simon, Simon, okay? Now again, we don't usually talk like that, but you have to understand what Jesus is doing here. He says, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Now let's stop there for just a minute. We're going to go on to verse number 34, or 33 and 34 in a moment. But listen, Jesus has just already told Peter what's going to happen. Okay? Typically at times, now I can move around a little bit more, I'm going to break things. Typically at times in scripture, you know, Jesus will say things and people just flat out miss it. Okay? But here, here, Peter doesn't necessarily miss it, but he's not really focusing on what God wants him to focus in on. So he says, listen, when you fail, basically, when you stumble, when you do something that you're not supposed to do, and you repent, I want you to do this. So God has already laid out the plan. God has already said, listen, something's coming, you're going to deal with it, you're going to repent, and then he prophesies over him that he's going to do something great despite of what happens in his past. 
Sometimes we forget what God has for us because we're so infatuated in the moment or in the pain or in the past. When God says, listen, I know you're going to fail. I know things aren't going to go the way you think they should. But you need to understand something. I've already seen your tomorrow, and your tomorrow is better than your today. Your tomorrow is going to be, I'm going to use you in ways that you never dreamed possible if you'll let me. It doesn't matter if you fail. It doesn't matter if you mess up because I have greater things in store for you. My redemptive power for you is greater than any failure that you may have experienced in your life. So even this moment says, hey, listen, something's coming, but Peter kind of misses it. Peter, in his pride and his bluster, responds in verse number 33. And he basically says this. He says, Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. He is like, oh, I'm I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to mess up. I'm going to do all these things. And then Jesus responds in verse 34. He says, but Jesus says, Peter, and it's interesting here. Now he calls him Peter. Before he calls him Simon, but now he calls him Peter. It's like he's like, listen, you need to get this almost. He says, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. That you even know me. Now let's fast forward. Now we're basically in, in what we probably would be probably Friday, early Friday morning. Okay, We're going to turn into John. We're going to be in John and then we'll jump to Matthew and back to John. So if you have your Bibles, you can look, but it'll also be up on the screen. So John 18, 15 through 16, we'll jump to 18. So at this point in the story, Jesus has been arrested. He's gone to the garden. They've prayed and all those things. Peter has, has, has basically, you know, run just like all the other disciples, but he's still kind of trailing Jesus. And so this is what it says. So Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. We know that disciple to be the author of this book, which is John. So the other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. When Jesus was arrested, they took him here. And this is where we talked about before, where they had the trial and all these, or the, the made-up trial in a lot of ways, Okay. So they bring Jesus here, and Peter and John are following. It says, Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. Now let's jump to verse 18. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself okay so let's again let's let's get into this picture so jesus has been taken in during this time we know that he's being he's being accused of things he didn't do he's being lied about Uh, eventually he's asked you know are you just are you the son of god he says yes and they begin to basically you know say that's it we don't have to know anything more they begin to strike him and spit on him and all these sort of things and all of these things are going on in a lot of ways where where peter is actually can see some of these things visually the way that courtyards and houses were constructed back then we don't know for sure but there is a possibility that that peter could even have seen what was going on so here he is and now he's warming himself at the fire Now let's jump to continue in the story, Matthew 26. We're going to look at several verses to kind of look at this story. A lot of us know it, but let's look at it again. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and said, You are one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. 
But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. So now, now not only is he denying, he's stepping up his denial. Okay? You know what I mean? So it's not like, not saying it was good before, but now we're really going down a different path. And let's continue because he keeps going. A little while later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent, which I think is just, I love that part of scripture. You know, he's like, you know, obviously you, you sound different than everybody else. I mean, you have an accent. You know, it's like somebody comes here and they're visiting from maybe the deep south. And, and you know, we go, okay, you know, you're not from Colorado, are you? You know, or, you know, so they, they kind of go, hey, listen, I know who you are just because of the way you talk. Your, your accent has given you away. Look what Peter does. Peter swore. A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. Now hold on before we get into the other one. Do you realize what Peter just did here? Okay. Now, now unfortunately at times we don't understand the power of our words. But I will tell you this. Back then they had a much greater understanding of that. What Peter has just done is he's basically just said, if I'm really lying, this is basically the best way I could say to, 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 to make it make sense in our, our world today, how we think. It's basically Peter saying, if I'm lying, may God strike me dead. I mean, this is not a little like, oh, I don't know, you know. I mean, he's basically like, look, if I know this guy, I wish God would just kill me right now on the spot. He is serious about that denial. And then, verse 74, as it finishes out. Oops, oh, go back one more, buddy. John, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Immediately, I should have said that without having that up there. Immediately, the rooster crowed. Immediately. He is sitting there, I don't know him. Okay? Like, like uh, no, 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 I don't know him. And then, no, I, no, I, he makes a note. I promise you, I do not know him. And then it's this, no, no, you don't understand. It may God strike me dead if I know that man. And then the rooster crows. Verse 35, or 75, excuse me. Suddenly, how many times have you had this happen? Suddenly, Jesus' words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. You ever been there? I know I have. You say, well, Aaron, I mean, I haven't called down a curse on me because I didn't know, know Jesus, but I, I know that I'll do something and respond in a way, and, and then all of a sudden Jesus' words will flash through my mind, and I'll just go, God, I just blew it. I just blew it. I said I'd be there. I said I'd die with him. I'd said I'd go to prison. And with, within hours, I have the opportunity. And I don't even tell people I know who he is. So now let's fast forward a little bit further. We're going to be in John 21 in just a moment. But let me kind of tell you where we are in the timeline or in the story. In John 21, Jesus has, has been taken. 
as we talked about the last couple weeks, and he was brutally crucified. But as we discussed last week and celebrated last week, Jesus rose. Jesus has now appeared to his disciples. This is, I believe, and, and I'm pretty sure, don't, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure it says later, but again, my mind. Um, I believe this is the third time that Jesus appears to his disciples. Um, but, but that's where we're going to pick up the story, okay? So Jesus now, you got to know the timeline. You have to understand that to know where we're at or to understand what's going to happen. So Jesus has risen. Peter has seen him, all those things, okay? So now we pick up the story in John 21. John 21, 1 through 3. It says, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. I love that. This is how that happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out into the boat. But they caught nothing all night. Now let's stop here for a second. Let's, let's, let's look at what's happening. Peter, now remember, what's happened here? Jesus has risen from the dead. I mean, he has seen the risen Lord. You would think at this moment it was like, okay, now let's hit this thing, man. Let's go. Peter does it. Peter goes, I'm going fishing. He didn't know what to do. He's just like, ah, this is great. Jesus is risen. You know, he is risen. He's risen indeed. Let's go fish. Because I mean, he didn't know what to do. So he's like, hey, I, I, I'm going fishing. And the disciples are the same place. Peter kind of throughout the Gospels is kind of this loudmouth leaderish kind of guy that, you know, so, so he says, I'm going fishing. They said, okay, let's go fish. Let's just go do that. So he goes fishing. You, know, you got to remember, Peter was a fisherman. So were James and John. You know, that was their profession. Andrew, that's what they did. So they're like, hey, let's just go back and do what we did before. We don't know what else to do. So they go fishing. And guess what? They fish all night and they catch no fish. These guys would go at, at night and they would fish at night so that they could then come in in the morning, get their catch, take it into market and sell it. You know, they, they fish, you know, you, fish now can go bad pretty quick. We have refrigeration and all that stuff. They don't. So they would fish at night and bring in the catch. And so they fished all night and caught nothing. Now I want you to stop for a minute and can imagine, put, put some humanity on Peter. Put some of you in Peter. You failed Jesus. You, in the biggest test of your life, you feel like a complete and total failure. You promised him one thing, you did another. And so you say, I'm going fishing. At least, I mean, think about how this Peter's in there. At least I know how to fish. If I can't do anything else right, at least I know how to fish. And then they go fishing, and they catch no fish. And remember, these aren't guys throwing the line out. They got nets. It's very rare for them not to catch anything because they're not catching with a line. They're catching with nets that would drag and things like that. It was just so unnatural in some ways. And so you can just imagine Peter sitting there. He's in the boat as the night goes on and they keep throwing the net and they pull it in and nothing. Throwing the net and pull it in nothing. Throwing the net. You just, Peter just building into his heart. Like, really? Really? I can't even do this anymore? Devastated, frustrated, confused. And it gets worse. Look at John 21, the first part of verse 4. Now, here's what's beautiful about Scripture and beautiful about stories. And here's the thing you need to understand. Did you know God made us to, to, to accept stories? You get that? Like God created you and me 
to learn that way. You know, it's why Jesus talked in parables. It's why you will spend so much money to go to a movie theater. We love stories or, you, or, or on books or whatever. We are created. We are a part of a story and God created us to love them. And so in the gospels, we see some of these things and these are not insignificant words. But look at this. First John 21, 4a, just the first two words at dawn. You go, Aaron, so what? What does that mean? Can I ask you a question that you and I probably will not get, or I would, you would normally get unless you lived at this time? At dawn. What happens at dawn? I'll tell you. Okay? Everybody's like, oh, look at this, look at this. No. The rooster crows at dawn. The rooster crows at dawn. Scripture doesn't say he hears a rooster. But you've got to understand how the culture was. And maybe there wasn't a rooster. But you know how people think because you think the same way. Your greatest failure is so easy to be taken back there, isn't it? What if Peter is out there in the boat and he's frustrated, he's hurting, he doesn't know what to do. And the next thing he hears as the sun begins to peak over the rise, you know, that, that scripture maybe came to his mind, there'll be joy in the morning. All the sorrow may last for the night. The joy will come in the morning. He's okay. Maybe that joy will come. Maybe that, that hope will come. And the sun starts coming up. And now the next thing he hears, cock-a-doodle-doo. And he's transported right back to his failure. To the words of Jesus, you'll deny me. Can you imagine how the enemy would have been playing on his heart and on his mind in that moment? Let's continue. John 21, let's keep looking at verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing out on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And because Jesus is just absolutely incredible and we love him so much, he calls out, hey, fellas, have you caught any fish? I love that. This is, this is God's son, you know? I mean, risen, you know, he, he, uh, he caught anything. That's Jesus' ask in this moment, to be caught anything. No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. I mean, here's the thing, you know, it's like, we know how fish work. You know, fish are not like, oh no, there's the net, let's go to this side. You know, fish aren't that smart. I mean, what Jesus is asking them to do, there is no other explanation for it besides a supernatural miracle. Okay, we got to understand that. Like, sometimes we can kind of dis display it. You know, it's like, no, this, this was a supernatural moment. And he basically, they, they can't get, I mean, they, they just can't pull all this in. What, what is Jesus doing here? Is Jesus like, I, I kind of feel bad because they're not going to have any breakfast? What is Jesus really doing here? Jesus is doing something that he does and wants to do with all of us. And if we will let him, because here's the thing, they had to decide to be willing to take the nets from one side to the other after a night of failure and after a night of frustration. And a lot of us, if we're honest, Jesus will say, listen, will you do this? Will you be willing to do something that doesn't seem like it's going to help in the natural to allow me to do something in the supernatural? And a lot of us at times say, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm hurting. But in this moment, his disciples said, no, if this man says it, we're going to do it. They did it and they began 
begin to get all of these fish. You see, what was Jesus doing is important, and we have to catch it. It's in your notes. At Peter's weakest moment, when he feels like a complete and total failure, Jesus reminds him of his calling. He reminds him that he has a plan. He reminds him he had not forgotten. He reminds him that there is something greater that God is going to use him to do. Let's look back. He's hearkening Peter back to his calling, that first meeting that he had with Jesus. So now we're going to look at Luke 5. Luke 5, this is the first meeting of Jesus and Peter. He says, when he had finished speaking, that being Jesus, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Does it sound familiar? But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. This is free, okay? It's not, I just, this got placed in my heart. Listen. God is sometimes going to ask you and me to do things we don't understand. And I have a question for you. Is God's word enough for you to do it? If God says do it, are you going to do it? Didn't make sense to Peter. Sometimes God says, I just need you to trust me. Peter, in this moment, trusted him. And so, so, and this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout was help, uh, for help brought their partners into the other boat, and soon the boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Let's keep going. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, okay, once again, this is not a natural moment. This is a supernatural thing. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, listen to what he says. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Now, I want to stop here because we need to understand what Peter is communicating. And we're learning a little bit about Jesus's heart and how he deals with certain things. In this moment where a supernatural thing has taken place, Peter automatically goes to his past. He automatically goes to who he believes he is, not who is standing right in front of him. Okay? He goes, you got to leave. I, I, I don't deserve you. I, 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 you don't know who I am. You don't know the mistakes I've made. He basically says, you've got to go. I'm such a sinful man. Now let's jump to 10b. Jesus replies to Simon. He replies to that comment, that mode of thinking, and that understanding. He said, don't be afraid. Now, why would Jesus tell Peter to not be afraid? There is no danger around him. No one is coming after him with a sword. Why is Jesus saying, don't be afraid? It's simple. Because your past, although you think it's harmless, can be so destructive. We can be so afraid of failure or what we've experienced that we refuse to move forward. So Jesus' first response is, stop being afraid. Stop being afraid of you won't do it right or it won't be perfect. Stop it. Stop it. Stop being afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So Jesus brings him back. What's Jesus really saying here? He said, I got a plan. Yeah, yeah, there may be issues in your past. There may be things that have taken place. But you know what? Listen, hear me here. And we forget this sometimes, unfortunately. When Jesus enters the scene, everything changes if we'll let it. 
but we have to at times let it. So let's fast forward. John 21. Let's go back to our story. Kind of bring this to a close. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. So remember, again, we're back. He's in the boat. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed for shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the load, loaded net to shore. I bet they really wished Peter had stayed to help. For they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. And guess what? Fishing cooked, cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Remember the last time Peter was probably around a charcoal fire? This wasn't an accident. Jesus brings him back. He brings him back. The smell, the moment. I don't believe, I, I don't know for sure, and you know, when I don't know for sure, I try to say that, but I'm pretty sure this is probably one of the first, like, if not the first, very early, like, moments. Remember, remember all the guys are at the shore, or on the boat. They're coming in. And there's Peter and Jesus. And what can he smell? The fire. I can't imagine what had gone through his head at that moment. Maybe he wanted to just fall down and just weep, and I'm so sorry. I don't know. But now he's had the dawn. Now he's had the fire. And Jesus takes it one step further. Look at John 21. And here's the thing. Jesus is not doing this because he's mad at Peter. He's doing it because he loves him. John 21, verses 12 through 15. Jesus says, now come and have some breakfast. You, you, we, we pass over that a lot, don't we? But we, we have to remember to have a meal with someone at this time was massively huge. Jesus, by simply inviting him to eat with him. It's why the Pharisees had such a hard time with the fact that Jesus would eat with tax collectors and sinners. To eat with someone was accepting them in. So even in this moment, Jesus is beginning this restoration process. He says, come here, have some food. Let's eat. You've got to be hungry. You've been working all night. Jesus said, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. Now I'll stop here for a second. We talked about this on, when we talked about Thursday. Although fish wasn't present, there was a time when Jesus also served bread. So now it's not, hey, there it is, family style, grab it. Jesus begins to serve them bread. I guarantee you Peter started going, I remember when he said, this is my body, it's going to be broken for you. All these emotions are coming up. All these feelings are coming up. This was the third time, it is the third time, there you go, that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Let's continue, verse 14, or 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Now, isn't it interesting here that once again, Jesus uses a different name. He doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon. It's almost like he's bringing him all the way back to the beginning. Let's start again. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? There's been theological debate about what, what these were. We really don't know. I, I've always kind of taken it as these, meaning, meaning his old life, you know, the fish you know, not, not obviously the fish. You know, hopefully we love Jesus more than to play the fish. But, but the way he, he made a living and the way he experienced life before. 
We don't know for sure, but, but he asked him, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told them, number one. Let's keep going. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Number two. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three times he's asked. Three times he responds. The second part of verse 17 says this, Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. There were three denials, and then there were three confirmations. You see, Jesus, what he wants to restore, he doesn't do it halfway. Jesus doesn't say, let's see what the minimum of it is. And here's the thing, as we look at it, and you think about, oh man, the smell and, and the dawn and the bread and all these things. You know what? Why did Jesus do that? Why, what was the point of that? It made, here, it brought him to a place where he had to decide. Was he going to let his failure define him? Or was he going to let the fact that Jesus had called him and that he loved him to find him. What is the point of all this? It's real simple. It's in your notes. Get this. If you don't get anything else, get this. And your greatest failure in Jesus, your greatest failure is not final. It's not final. In, in him, your greatest failure is not final. It's not final. Sometimes it'll feel final. Sometimes you'll be brought back to the fire or the, the dawn or the bread or whatever. And you just begin to say, oh no, I, 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 I could never go back. I could never you know, let this God fix this in me. And, and listen, he's telling us, he's telling you, he was telling Peter, listen, I know you failed. I told you you'd fail at the very beginning. It was the first verse we looked at. But it's not final. It's not final. This is in your notes. I want you to get this. If you feel that God's plan for you has been ruined because of past sins you committed or past sins committed against you, you are mistaken. You're mistaken. Don't become paralyzed by the past. Don't become paralyzed by the past. Because listen, God has great plans. As you continue in John 21, Jesus begins to share those plans with Peter. And you know what? They're glorious and tragic and hard. Basically, Jesus tells Peter, listen, I know you failed me before, but you're not going to fail me again. I have greater things for you. And in fact, Peter is eventually crucified for his faith. You see, Peter understood because Jesus came and he accepted this truth. He understood that although he had failed, his failure was not final. He understood that. To kind of bring this to a close, I want to look at Isaiah, because I just, 
always loved this verse. Such a great, powerful verse for us today to understand. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. This is what it says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And then in God's ultimate wisdom and knowledge, he tells us why. Okay? A lot of times we say, don't, don't do this, don't do this. But we don't tell you why. And as pastors, we fail in that. Thankfully, God helps us in these things to understand because he tells us why we should forget these things and not dwell on them because of verse 19. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. To biblical hearers, can you imagine... The, the visual that God has just given them. Streams are life. In wasteland, you, you die. You gotta have water. And God is saying, listen, you, don't you see what I'm doing here? I'm gonna make a way. Because if you'd stayed in the wilderness, you weren't gonna survive. And I'm gonna get you there because I'm gonna put a stream that you can follow and let that become something that helps you to accomplish the new things that I'm doing. God doesn't just say, listen, I want you to forget. And not only am I gonna do new things in you, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to accomplish what I've asked you to do. We don't have to do it on our own. Because he'll provide what we need. We're going we're gonna to close. And um, Fred, maybe, you know, again, we, we maybe put on some, some, real, some music, just real quiet. Real, you know. Um, but I want to I want to kind of close, you know, this way. And if we could just do this again, this is just so we could focus, okay? With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we kind of conclude this week, as far as the, this series, um, you know, I thought it was very important that we've obviously and we should have been focusing on the life of Jesus, but. A lot of times, as much as we want to emulate Jesus and do what he did, and that's obviously what we should do, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm much more like Peter. And I fail, and I don't do things right. And I constantly need Jesus to come and help me and restore me. I have to constantly say, Jesus, I know that I've failed, but I know my failure isn't final with you. And I need your help. So today, as we have come together in prayer and prayed for each other, and that's so vital and so important, I want to pray over you. I want you to pray for yourself. That's, that's a good thing, too, you know but I just believe that maybe some of us are dealing with our past. You know? And here's the thing about this whole story, and Jesus, Jesus has risen, okay? Peter, Peter knows this. You know, sometimes we think, oh, if I'm a Christian, I won't deal with this stuff. If I know Jesus is, you know, I've, 
don't, no, we, we, we all sometimes still deal with, with our failures and, and hurt and, and our past and all those things. We all at times can allow those things to keep us from allowing God to use us in the way he wants us to use, be used. So, so, so just, just because we have experienced the risen Lord doesn't mean that we still don't deal with hurt and past. Doesn't mean that we still don't deal with sin and struggle. What it does mean to go back to the story is that all we need to do sometimes is get out of our boat and go have breakfast with Jesus. And I just feel like the Spirit of the Lord would say to you, if you're there, I'm on the shore. I'm on the shore right now. Just come. Let's have breakfast. Let's talk. Let's, let me confirm your calling again. You deny me three times, let's confirm it three times. Let's get it back to where it needs to be. Because I have great plans for you. Great things that you're going to be used to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So right now, as music begins to play, I just, I'm just going to ask you, if that's you, will you just go to him? Sometimes in these moments, we, we make it difficult. Just, just, just go to him. Say, Aaron, how do I do that? Just, Jesus, I want to have breakfast. He'll know. He's here. He knows what your heart needs before you do. So don't try to figure out the right way to approach it or j just go. That's all he wants. Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to shore. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but he didn't care. All he cared about was getting to Jesus. And here's the thing. If you want to get to Jesus that bad, you will find him, period. He will not hide from you. But let's stop being paralyzed by the past. Let's stop letting our failures define us. And instead, be reinstated. Instead, be recommissioned by Jesus. But just go to him. Just go to him. Call out for him. Because he's here. And he loves you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't, he hasn't denied you. Father, we come to you this morning. And God, we know that throughout all these things, we can come to you. We don't have to do it alone. The best thing at times is, is, is understanding that it's about being close to you. That no matter what we go through, you're there. And so, Father, if we're allowing our past or our failures to define us or to paralyze us, Jesus, I just pray that in your name you would break those strongholds and you would confirm again who we are. You would confirm our calling. You would confirm our destiny. You would confirm that you have great things for us.
You knew our past before we, would, we were ever alive, and yet you still prepared great things for us. You will not allow our failures to define us, because in you they're not final. But we still got to come to you. We still have to come to you and once again redeclare who we are and that we love you and that we trust you. So, Father, I pray that right now you would just begin to birth new things in people's hearts. That, Father, you would once again revive dreams that you have placed in people's hearts that they have pushed aside because of maybe things they have done or even things that have been done to them. And they say, that dream or that calling isn't vital anymore. Father, I speak against that lie from the pit of hell in the name of Jesus. And instead, Father, we speak freedom and love and forgiveness and joy and destiny and purpose and plans that you have for every one of us. Father, we thank you that before you ascended into heaven, you showed us this story of a man who was severely flawed like every single one of us and yet we see the journey and the restoration that you had for him and that you desire to do in us we love you and we thank you in jesus name amen it's been a morning just want to again say that if you have any questions if you need me to pray for you Whatever you need, I'm here. And I know it's hard, and I know, like I said, we're, we're near the splash zone right now. And I don't know exactly what God's going to do. But I know he's going to do something. And I trust what he has for us because it's better than anything you and I could dream up on our own all put together so we trust him be in prayer this week okay I will try to communicate as I have been through emails and things it's going to look different for a little while I don't know exactly how it's going to look I just need you to be flexible when we go on a trip with my family I'll tell Easton I said, we're going to have to flow like water a little bit Okay, meaning we don't know always exactly where God's going to take us. But here's the good thing. We're going to stay in the current. And we're going to let him guide us. And we'll figure it out. But we have a God that knows it all. And we're just going to let him lead us. Okay? So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. Thank you for each one that's here. Father, as we kind of close this time together, we ask that you would just... Go with us, be with us, remind us of these words, remind us of the life of Peter, and help us, Father, to know that in you, the failures are never final. And more than that, you take our greatest failures and you can turn them into our greatest triumphs. So we trust that. 
We know that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, I love you all very much. I hope you have a great week. And again, if you need prayer or need to talk, have questions, I'm going to be down here in front, okay? Um, please come see me, all right? Love you all. Enjoy spending a little time together before we head on out of here tonight, or this afternoon. Love you.